You are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland, Maine, and broadcast on 1310 AM Portland, streaming live each week at 11 AM on WLOBradio.com and available via podcast on drlisa.org. Thank you for joining us. Here are some highlights from this week's program. And I do think that the external is the smaller percent of the whole. I hear it all the time, and I think probably most people agree that beauty is more than skin deep, and I think that it just has to project from within. So anything going on inside is going to be more important than what's on the outside. As, as we begin to help educate even healthcare providers to be able to integrate back into one's life that common sense, that connectedness of the earth of life, because that's really the essence that's going to sustain us. It's, it's not as much relying on just, you know, pills out of a bottle, but the larger connectedness of the earth. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin with Remax Heritage, Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, Pierce Atwood, UNE, the University of New England, and Akari. Hello, this is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, number 18, airing on January 15th, 2012. The theme of this week's show is Body Beautiful. As we've talked about in prior shows, we believe that the beauty of the body goes beyond the physical and the superficial. And we think that you will see this in today's show. Our guests today include Dr. Ed Jacoma from Akari in Portland, Deb Soule of Avena Botanicals, and Ann Belden of Hardy Girls Healthy Women. Each of our guests has a unique approach to beauty and wellness, and yet they all intersect. We think that you'll find a lot of interesting ideas in this show. We hope that you will listen further, and we welcome you to join us. We'd like to offer a special acknowledgement to those who are listening live on 1310 AM Portland, WLOB Radio, or streaming live on WLOBradio.com. We're glad that you've taken the time to put us into your Sunday morning, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for being part of our world. We are fortunate here at the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast to be sponsored by the University of New England. The University of New England sponsors a segment we call Wellness Innovations, in which we discuss new and interesting findings in the world of wellness. This week's new and interesting finding has to do with men. What's especially interesting is that we've been talking about, or we will be talking about, the body beautiful, and we think about beauty in women often, but it turns out that men have some of the same issues that women do. According to a study, Um, out of the BBC, men are most unhappy about their beer bellies. Four out of five men confess to being unhappy about their body, suggests an online survey by the University West of England. 
The Center for Appearance Research at the UWE studied the responses of 384 British men with an average age of 40. The biggest body issue for them was their beer belly and lack of muscles. 35% of respondents said they would trade a year of their life to achieve their ideal body weight or shape. Research suggests that it's not just women who talk among themselves about their body image. For more information on this wellness innovation, visit the BBC website at www.bbc.co.uk. For more information about the University of New England, visit www.une.edu. Looking for a bit of New Year's inspiration? Purchase the book Our Daily Tread and benefit the organization Safe Passage. This week's quote from Our Daily Tread is from Thomas Merton. Our real journey in life is interior, a matter of growth, deepening, and an ever greater surrender to the creative action of love and grace in our hearts. For more quotes like this, purchase Our Daily Tread at islandportpress.com. Support for the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour comes from the University of New England, UNE, an innovative health sciences university grounded in the liberal arts. UNE is the number one educator of health professionals in Maine. Learn more about the University of New England at une.edu. Joining me on today's Deep Dish is my co-host, Genevieve Morgan. Hi, Jen. Hi, Lisa. And our topic today is Body Beautiful. I know. It's an interesting topic. Especially for the new year, huh? Yeah. All, you know, all those people out there trying to live up to their resolutions. Mm-hmm. I recently posted something on Facebook right after the new year, and I'm, re- I'm reading this interesting book about compassion. I don't remember the author or the... Um, the title, but the book is about compassion, and he put this quote in there, and this is Beauty Tips, courtesy of Audrey Hepburn. For attractive lips, speak words of kindness. For lovely eyes, seek out the good in people. For a slim figure, share your food with the hungry. For poise, walk with the knowledge you never walk alone. If you ever need a helping hand, you'll find one at the end of your arms. And, of course, this comes from Audrey Hepburn, who was herself quite beautiful. Yes. I mean, she's what I would say everybody's, well, not everybody, but a lot of people's dream mm-hmm. in terms of outward appearance. Yes, outward appearance. But also I believe that she did a lot of work internationally for aid organizations. So she was doing what she said that others should do in order to make themselves more beautiful. Well, I, it, the topic of beauty is so complicated, and I'm glad we're actually addressing an, another show towards it because it's something that we all struggle with, our outward appearance and feeling good about ourselves. And I know you have a lot to say about this because you deal with self-image and self-esteem in your practice quite a bit. My practice is really unusual in that I'm not your standard doctor. People will come in to see me for back pain. And I think about levels of wellness, and I think we've talked about this before. You can come in for back pain, and that's sort of the lowest level of wellness is just take care of that back pain. But then as you move up through these levels of wellness, you actually become more and more integrated with yourself. So, you know, the next level might be what types of foods are you eating that can, you know, detract from your health or can be healing. And then the next level up is really um, working with are you living your most authentic life? 
And at the highest level, my practice is about helping people reach that most authentic life. Well, I think the goal in integration is to have people feel like the outside matches the inside or the inside matches the outside because so much of anxiety and stress is the scratchiness between what we perceive ourselves to be and how we feel perceived by the world. Um, And so much of that is the interface of the body. Yeah, it is. It's interesting because I started a couple of years ago putting together the blog, which I've talked about before and talked about feeding myself, and it was about food. And then I went and started studying Qigong, and Qigong is about energy. And there is energy in food, but there's also energy in movement. And it wasn't until I got away from being focused on my body and the physicality represented by the food and got into um, my body and the energy that it needed to be beautiful, that I actually started to heal and become whole. I have this experience in my own personal life. When I began studying acupuncture in 2006, it was after I had spent a number of years as a physician um, in Western medicine and doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. Everybody told me, oh, you're so good at being a doctor, you're so good at writing, you're so good at these things. So everybody else around me sort of created the identity that I was. Uh, The outside. The outside. So when I started to take back my own self, I, I, it was almost like I didn't know who that self was. So this was that feeding myself thing that I needed to do. But before I even got to the feeding myself thing, I actually had to lose myself just a little bit more. I actually, I I began running because I wanted to reclaim this body that was mine and that was my stress relief. Um, So I I would run and then I would run more and then I would run more and I actually, I I starved myself. I mean, I I had what is considered to be an eating disorder. Um, Very easily diagnosed. I think that's a very common thing. Very common, but we think about it in teenagers and we think about it in teenage girls and this is something I had struggled with in my own life. I was in my late 30s and what I found was that I lost the ability to look at, to see who I really was. I you mean, mean in mirrors or just in when you were looking at, what, what that yes. must have just been so It was alienating. extremely disconcerting. When I lost so much weight that my, I could pull my pants down and they were still zippered and buttoned. You know, I lost so much weight that I would look in the mirror and a ghost would look back at me. I had no idea what I actually looked like. I had no idea how I, I, I couldn't see myself anymore. It was as if I had become a ghost. Literally, looking in the mirror, I had no idea. And this was a very strange and extremely frightening experience for somebody in her late 30s who has, you know, I had given birth to three children and I had been a doctor for many years. And it was, I had to completely lose myself as a physical human being before I could start to sort of rebuild myself. Was there a moment where it switched, where you decided you wanted to begin feeding yourself and reincarnating? The moment where it switched was the moment that I went running and realized I actually couldn't feel my body anymore. Now, that was even worse. So I went running one day, and I still run, but I run in a much healthier way now. Um, But I realized it was as if my head was sort of running around this neighborhood, and I literally couldn't feel my body anymore. And I returned home, and I was so frightened that I had ceased to exist as a human being that I felt like I needed to... There was only one person who was going to help me, and it was me. And that, that was the moment. That was the moment that I realized if anybody was going to feed me, it was going to be me. And if anybody was going to find her body beautiful, it had to be me. I had to reclaim myself, and I had to love myself. 
Well, and I think we've spoken about it before in other shows, how in order to get to that point, you often have to go through a crisis like you went through, where you face deep, deep fear and deep loss, and then an opening happens, and you're able to, like a phoenix, come out of the ashes into something new. And uh, I'm interested that it ha- it came about for you through a very f- through the physical again the physical interface of your body. But you also had some indication that it was a spiritual need and a professional need because you changed how you practiced. I did, and I went from practicing traditional um, family medicine. I had a master's degree in public health. I had a degree in preventive medicine. I had many, many years of standard medical education, which I don't, um, I don't regret getting. But I went from doing that to bringing the acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine and finally the medical Qigong into my practice because th- I needed that spiritual piece to sort of complete what I had to offer as a doctor and as a person. Well, and, and we talk about this a lot, too, about the five underlying aspects of health and how we're trying to promote that in the world with this show. But what you're saying is that you you had to address all five of them, not just one, that the more you went towards one, the less you could do the other four. So Yes, and I had to do this for myself because it's this is one of the things that gets lost often when we practice medicine is if we aren't doing as we say and we aren't manifesting, you know, the spirit of our words, we can't be as effective as doctors, as healers of any sort, and or as parents, as role models. So I actually had to get to this place, and it's been in stages, you know, and, I, and I've had to shed a lot of things in my life um, and come to love who I am as an individual. Um, well, what would you say to those people out there who are struggling with their resolutions right now, who have decided they want to lose weight or get muscle or, you know, look younger, um, and are feeling they're beating themselves up because they're not going to the gym as much as they resolve to do, or they're not managing to fulfill what they wanted to do. What what would you say to them? I would say spend some time deciding what you want the rest of your life to look like, um, how you see yourself interfacing with the world. Spend less time focusing on I'd like to lose five pounds. I would like to be a blonde. I would like to. You spend less time with the physical and, and decide how you'd like to walk this earth. And for some people, that means writing, because some people will write. For some people, that means painting. For some people, that means music. But return to your childhood to a place where you felt happiest. And somehow engage in an activity that reminds you that this is who you really are. And see if you can project this forward into your life. And that's the true body beautiful. I agree. That is the true body beautiful. Thank you, Jen, for spending some time talking to me. I know this was an intensely personal deep dish, so. Well, I think it's important for people to understand that that you've gone through many of the same struggles that, that they've gone through. I would go through them, too. And that we're all just humans walking, trying to walk the earth more beautifully. I agree. Thanks, Jen. Today on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, our show is called Body Beautiful. And we have a very special guest with us today, Dr. Ed Jacoma, who is the medical director at the Akari Medi Spa here in Portland. So we're pretty honored to have you here today. Thank you for coming in, Dr. Jacoma. Good morning, and thanks for having me. I was impressed by your bio. I was so impressed. I told you before we got on air that there's so much of it, it's hard for me to choose. Tell me a little bit, what, what is sort of the most interesting thing about your background and how you got to be 
the medical director at Akari. I think the most interesting thing about my background is the range of training and, and the various individuals that I work with that help us all to uh, bring together and focus on wellness and uh, body beautiful. I think that Akari is unique in that they bring together the wellness, beauty, and style that I think really helps to define um, that beauty, but also allows one to project that beauty in a way that is uniquely your own. In an earlier show, we spoke with um, Christina Sterling and Eliza Harris. They both work in the Medispa as well. Their background is not strictly medical. Yours is. Give me, just walk me through your medical background because it is impressive. And the fact that somebody with your medical background has chosen to go into the beauty style wellness um, collaborative model, it, it really means something. So walk me through your background. Well, thank you. Um, it is somewhat storied. I think the first thing is that I did begin life in medical school in Burlington, Vermont, where I was certain I was going to go into family practice. And uh, over the course of my years there, determined that that really was just a facet and that I really wanted to be able to do something more uh, visually. So going from there to an internship in internal medicine, but with an eye on ophthalmology, I did end up going through a great program down in Virginia. Um, University of Virginia trained me to look at people um, both in terms of how to get them to see better, but also how to look inside and to look at themselves in a way that would help them to understand themselves maybe a little bit better and to uh, help them understand how to project themselves in a way that would make them perhaps more happy as well as seeing their world more clearly. Um, that led me to the cosmetic world and through various twists and turns I did end up meeting a variety of I would call them movers and shakers in this world um, who have helped me to understand how to look at skin, uh, how to look at people, how to uh, focus on everything from diet and nutrition to the more mental aspects of how we define ourselves and really to be somebody who can orchestrate behind the scenes with all of the other specialists to bring all of this to play and to help people ultimately uh, project themselves in the best way possible. What type of interest did you have visually when you were growing up? I assume you didn't go into medical school when you said you wanted to do family practice. So how are you interested in, in the visual field per se? Well, that's a great question. Um, when it comes to medicine, understanding how a body works is obviously an important part of that. But at the same time, most of us use our sight as how we perhaps most interact with the world around us. Um, we have every other uh, sense at our disposal, but visually we can see beyond the range that we can easily touch or smell or even hear. So this um, sense, I think, carries a little bit more weight in some ways than some of our other senses, and I think that um, that probably is what attracted me in that direction. Uh, being able to restore sight is a wonderful thing, and that's something that I tasted early on in medicine, um, had an opportunity to rotate with a very experienced eye surgeon, and to watch the smiles on faces coming out of his office was something special. Um, but then to take it steps further, to look at different ways of reconstructing somebody's eyes, eyelids, um, mid part of their face, realizing that when we connect with an individual, our first um, 
sense of that individual is often visual, that we're looking at their eyes and getting a sense for their level of concentration, what they're thinking about, um, all the little ranges that go along with their personality that can sort of instantly be grasped with that quick glance. Um, that has also attracted me, and I, I do find that being able to make little changes in somebody's face, um, mostly in a restorative way, just helping somebody get back to where they were or where they really would like to be can often help lift a person's spirits, allow them to feel more confident and project themselves better. So this is maybe the more critical part of my expertise. But I also find that uh, just listening to people and understanding what makes them tick helps me to um, bring the other collaborative efforts together that helps them to get to that better place. The eyes are such an intimate part of the body. And before I went to medical school and did my training as a resident and a medical student, I had no idea we would go into surgery and you, when you're operating on someone's eyes, I mean, you could not be more close to them. Um, has that been your experience? Um, that, I would say that definitely is my experience. And, you know, knowing that when you're operating on something like that, that there is very little room for error, uh, that your senses are on high alert and that you're really interested in trying to do um, what you can to help that individual either in regaining something that's been lost or helping to enhance something that's already there. And so this translates, so this high level of intimacy and, and wanting to do what's best for the individual, this is translated into your working with Akari and really trying to sort of maximize a person's inner beauty. Absolutely. Um, and my focus is to help them get to that wellness, beauty, and style through the comfort, the safety, the efficacy of the kinds of procedures and things that we can offer uh, in addition to the other collaborative efforts that I've referred to. When we had Eliza and Christina on, they talked about um, the sense that it's more than just external. And I think you also discussed this as well, that, that there are things that go on within a person emotionally that need to take place in order for them to become the most beautiful that they can be. Would you agree? A hundred percent. And I do think that the external is the smaller percent of the whole. Um, I, I hear it all the time, and I think probably most people agree that beauty is more than skin deep, and I think that it just has to project from within. So anything going on inside is going to be more important than what's on the outside. Are there dangers involved with these procedures? Um, I guess... To a degree, it depends on how invasive a procedure we choose, and that often references um, the needs, wants, desires of the individual, how far they want to progress. Uh, if we're talking about something as small as just uh, reducing a little brown spot that would look more aged on their face, that has a relatively low risk. Uh, if we're talking about something like correcting an eyelid or eyebrow that has a little higher risk. Um, if we're looking at some injections that are very uh, temporary, lower risk, injections that are more permanent, higher risk. So it's a little bit um, what the needs and, and wants of the individual are, as well as what we can perceive uh, as to be in their best interest and work with them on that so that they come to that same collaboration with us that we're working as a team. 
We'll return to our feature after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Akari, an urban sanctuary of beauty, wellness, and style, located on Middle Street in Portland, Maine's Oldport. Follow them on Facebook or go to akaribeauty.com to learn more about their new boutique and medispa. And by Robin Hodgkin, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney in Portland, Maine. For all your investment needs, call Robin Hodgkin at 207-771-0888. Investments and services are offered through Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. Have you gotten any sort of um, pushback from the medical community for the type of work that you do and the work that you do in the Medispa? I mean, it's very clear to me that that there is a direct connection between all of the things that you're talking about and health. Do you think that the medical community would agree with you? Not always. And uh, I do find that some of my colleagues are much more interested in pushing a quick pill or finding some quick fix to get a patient on their way. Um, that kind of goes against the idea of learning more about them, what makes them tick, and then perhaps sometimes approaching it in a different way. So I will admit that I think we are sometimes a little bit at odds with some of our medical colleagues, um, not necessarily in a completely negative way. I think that they do have a different approach, and as long as they're willing to open their eyes and, and their minds to the idea that um, different isn't always wrong or bad, that I think that um, we can easily work together as a medical team. Uh, I'm about teamwork and finding the win-wins and trying to keep the patient first. And you're open to collaborating with um, practitioners within the community in addition to the practitioners within the Akari world. Absolutely. Um, sometimes we stumble across problems that go well beyond a simple cosmetic fix, and these need to be referred out to the appropriate, more medical level of care. And so we do always keep our eyes and ears open for those individuals who would collaborate well with us on these things and who would offer the best services to the patients that we initially connect with over to Akari. We're wondering here what is on the, on the horizon, what's in the future for Medispa practice? Well, that's a great question. Um, one of the things that attracted me to the world of ophthalmology was technology. And I do find that technology continues to push the envelope, and particularly now in the world of cosmetic care. Um, beyond the day-to-day -day technology that we deal with, there are some interesting, new, exciting things on the horizon, uh, ways of dealing with excess fat, um, ways of dealing with ugly toenails, um, all these things that uh, many of us struggle with every day. I think that um, we will have newer, better fixes. But I also think that one of the things uh, most on the horizon for us are these collaborative efforts with some of our colleagues and bringing some of these additional specialists in who can most help us with things that are a little further afield from eyes. So we do have a podiatrist, and I like to say that we can now cover head to toe. Um, but also having these great additional skin care specialists, so our estheticians who constantly are pushing their envelopes to stay current and to be able to offer the best services. Um, well, I also heard that there might be a dentist or a periodontist coming on board. And this was something I uh, was 
going to get to, but have to say that it's still preliminary, so I, I don't want to overly uh, raise expectations, but to say that we have been in an ongoing dialogue, because I think when it comes to those smiles, that it is important to keep your uh, gums and teeth in great health. We know that uh, some of our health comes from our gums or can be <clears throat> influenced by them. There was uh, a great study that showed that people had a higher rate of heart disease if they didn't keep their uh, tooth health and particularly their gum health up to snuff. So we do understand that our mouths play an important role in our health and wellness and having somebody on board who understands those concepts and can help us to channel some of that in their direction um, I think is going to be another important feature to our practice. How can people find out more about you, your practice, and Akari? Well, we are still in the process of developing our website, and that is always a great place to turn. Uh, I would recommend to anybody with any interest to give Eliza Harris a call at Akari. She is our clinical care coordinator and is in the best position to answer a lot of uh, upfront questions, but also to help schedule our free consultations. And that's another thing that I think sets Akari apart in that all of our specialists are available and we love to talk and would like to invite people in and have that opportunity to help uh, counsel them a little bit and learn a little bit more about them and see how we can help folks in our MediSpa. Thank you for coming in today and talking to us about the Body Beautiful, Genevieve Morgan and I. We're, as we said, we're um, fans of Alan over to Kari. We thank him for his support. We thank you for being a part of our show. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure being a part of the show and getting to know you folks a little bit. Um, I uh, want to say probably since this may be one of the first programs in the new year to wish everybody a happy new year and to also say that they are welcome to come visit us at a car anytime. Our bodies are often the first indicators that something isn't quite working. Are you having difficulty sleeping, anxiety, or chronic pain issues? Maybe you've had a job loss, divorce, or recent empty nest. Dr. Lisa specializes in helping people through times of change and inspiring individuals to create joyful, sustainable lives. Visit doctorlisa.org for more information on her Yarmouth, Maine medical practice and schedule your office visit or phone consult today. So welcome to 2012. Um, this segment that we're doing, the Maine Magazine Minutes, is one that we've done for um, the entirety of the fall. This Maine Magazine Minutes is one that is so dear to my heart because I met Deb Sowell when I was a family medicine resident at the Maine Medical Center with my friend Craig Schneider, who is now the director of the Integrative Medicine Residency at the Maine Medical Center. And um, so many intersecting circles um, Deb was actually profiled in the inaugural wellness issue of Maine Magazine, as was my friend Dr. Craig Schneider. Um, at as from, were you? As 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 was as I was as well. And Genevieve Morgan was the writer for Maine Magazine. And of course, nobody knew any of this stuff was happening. And here we are. And we'll have Craig Schneider on the show coming up in a few weeks. And but we have Deb on the show now. And. Um, it was, I think, before the show even began. I was up in 
that neck of the woods and I said and I went over to Deb's um, new building because you're building a new building and um, or I think it's built now no not quite still being built still being (laughs) built Um, and I kind of inserted myself into her life (laughs) I kind of forced myself in and said I have this new radio show and podcast Deb and I would really like you to be on it and she said I'm not really sure I remember you but I would be happy to and now she's here so I will let Genevieve Morgan introduce her it's very exciting to have you Deb Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Hi, Deb. I'm so glad you're here. You are the uh, founder and herbalist, one of my favorite companies in Maine, Avena Botanicals. I told you before that I use your fairy flower cream every day. And I'm just so happy that you're actually here in the flesh. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your relationship first with, to Maine. Can you give the listeners mm-hmm. out there a brief bio mm-hmm. of how you came to start your company in Maine? Well, I was born and raised here, and so I have obviously a deep connection to Maine. And I went o- I've done some traveling, but I went away briefly to um, college in Vermont, and then I transferred back to Maine. I, I did my undergraduate work at College of Atlantic up in Bar Harbor. So for me, it's just there was never a question that I didn't not want to live here. I love Maine. I love the landscape. I grew up more in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. That was really where I began my journey with plants as a teenager, learning some of the wild plants, some of the edible plants, and then began gardening. So soon after graduating from college, I there wasn't even a question for me that I wanted to stay here in Maine, and I was just fortunate to have a friend who invited me to come to West Rockport, which is you know in the Camden Rockland area. And that's where I started my first medicinal herb garden, and I... And that was mm, over 25 years ago? Yeah, 26 years ago. I started my business in a little corner of a very small house, and... Growing herbs, even then? Yeah, I I started my first garden, um, my first medicinal herb garden, 26 years ago, and started Avena, and I think, what, 1984 was... 1985, I went to the Common Ground Fair with my first mail-order catalog, and that's how I kind of started. Will you talk a little bit about herbal medicine? Because mm-hmm. I, in the days now of, of high tech and mm-hmm. big pharma, I think a lot of people forget that most medicine comes from plants. <laughs> it does. Such a big question, but I'll say that kind of to bring us down into um, a statistic, the World Health Organization still states that 85% of people worldwide rely on herbal medicine as their primary form of medicine. So that's to just say historically we're looking at um, plant medicine as being used for, what, 5,000 years? You know, the texts of Chinese medicine, texts of the Ayurvedic system have been written down for that long, and certainly indigenous people around our planet have used and continue to use plant plants as their primary form of medicine. So we're talking about something very old, something that has a long history of use, safe use, so nothing, nothing new here. You know, this is a very, very old medicine. So for me, you know, as a young person, I just became very interested in, it made sense to me that plants can help us in so many levels, including for, you know, for health conditions. Avena Botanicals does more than than topical skin products. Mm. Tell, tell us more about what kind of things you do. Well, it's interesting. You know, I started, you know, and I, I started learning to make herbal teas and herbal tinctures, which is, a you know, water alcohol-based extract. I was very focused on herbs that really serve people for a variety of health conditions, you know, bronchitis, pneumonia, ear infections, a common cold, sinus infections. And then as I started to study plant medicine more, 
I began to really recognize that, that two things. One is that there was a lot of pretty cruel testing of animals happening in the cosmetic industry, which I was very opposed to and continue to be very opposed to. And also that what people were putting on their skin was pretty toxic. And that was, you know, you know, 20, 25 years ago, where there wasn't as much information as there is today. So I became very committed to making herbal health, you know, body care products that were made from only organic herbs and organic oils. Well, and as a user of your products, I know that there's a certain amount of common sense. Yeah. It's almost like your brain and your nose and your recognizes what's yes. in. You open up a, a tin or a jar <laughs> and it smells good and you, you sort of want it. Yeah. There's something natural about the relationship. And it's not an, it's not something you feel you have to do. It's something you want to do. You want to do, yeah. And I think, Lisa, what you're saying, you know, is as we begin to help educate even healthcare providers, who have been so book trained and so deeply, you know, having to do, you know, seven years, eight years, ten years of medical school to be able to integrate back into one's life that common sense, that connectedness of the earth of life, because that's really the essence that's going to sustain us. It's, it's not as much relying on just, you know, pills out of a bottle, but the larger connectedness of the earth. And when I visited you up in um, Rockport, West Rockport, West yeah. Rockport, you were building a new building <laughs> because you were trying to comply with FDA regulations, but you weren't unhappy about it or angry. I mean, I don't have the sense that you are pushing back against modern technology mm -hmm. per se. No. You really are about in integration. Yeah, definitely. And for... I've seen so much change in 26 years or, you know, since I started 35 years ago. And there's a lot of positive things and, and there's some challenging things too. And five, six years ago, the FDA began to work on these new regulations that I think have a very important place for the large industry because herbal medicine has made its way into sort of even into pharmaceutical companies. They have herbal lines, which I have a real question about the quality. but. As the industry has grown, there is a has been a really important need for creating certain regulations. The challenge was for small businesses like myself. I mean, I have nine people that work with us year-round. We're very tiny compared to the larger industry. So we were only able to build this building because the state, we were able to be in a grant program called Farms of the Future, which I worked through two phases of that grant program. It's an excellent program for agricultural-based businesses, which Avena is, because we grow 70% of the herbs that go into our remedies. We grow right on our three acre, we have three acres of medicinal plants. So that program allowed me to then apply for um, a, an, a second grant focus, which I got some money for, and then it allowed me to enter into a larger um, grant program called Community Development Block Grant, and I was able to get um, a maybe a third of the building funded through a grant, and then I was able to apply for a small interest loan through the state also. So that, it was never a question for me. You really are a Mainer. Yes. <laughs> You're cobbling it all together yes. for whatever you can do. I was, I was determined that Avina was going to be able to continue to offer our incredible herbal medicine to people, and I wasn't going to let a regulatory agency stop me. And it's, you know, it's had its challenges, but I remember one day just standing in, our old kitchen, which was really, I mean, we're in an 1830s farmhouse, so we were literally in an old kitchen and saying, okay, 
what are we going to do here? And I just got this vision, like move forward here and the support that you need is going to come forward. And that's been, that's happened the whole, every step I have trusted this process. And so they're shingling the roof right now and the windows and doors actually, funny enough, are arriving today. <laughs> so in the next week, will be closed in. And then hope our goal is to be moved in by the end of March. And we've also done a beautiful job at creating this building. So like we sketched little poems and prayers into the actual floor of the, of the we had to pour a cement, you know, a, a cement floor, it's a radiant floor heat. And we actually put little herbs into the corners of the building to really sort of ground us to the earth as we're building, you know, a, a really modern-day building. Can people come visit your facility, or how, how do they find you or reach you? Or? Well, people certainly, we, we give, I give herb walks all summer long in various classes, and we will have an open house probably um, this summer. Once a year, we'll have a big open house because the FDA um, regulations um, don't allow people to actually come into our new building. We have a we'll, we have a retail space so people can enter, but the actual you know new building will probably have a one once a year where people can actually come in and tour it. This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible by the support of the following generous sponsors: Pierce Atwood, part of the Portland legal community for 120 years. Clients turn to Pierce Atwood for help with important deals and critical disputes, for creative solutions and sound advice about legal or business strategy, for peace of mind. For more information on Pierce Atwood, go to www.pierceatwood.com and by Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, makers of Dr. John's Brainola cereal, Find them on the web at orthopedicspecialistsme.com. Deb, what are your most popular products? Well, the Heal All Salve is one, and that's a topical herbal salve made with organic olive oil and beeswax and about nine or so different plants. And I I made that salve like 27 years ago, and I have never changed the recipe. It just has been so beneficial for a variety of just simple, you know, cuts and wounds for healing. But also, uh, probably about 15 years ago, I started to have nurses call me. And that's how I found that the Hilal salve was beginning to be used um, amongst nurses working in oncology departments for both preventing and treating radiation burns for women who were uh, receiving radiation for breast cancer. And that, obviously, I was so grateful and so happy to hear that that salve was, had made its way into, you know, really a, a, a very strong treatment, a radiation treatment, and was of great benefit. I mean, I had somebody show up at my door one day who said, I've been through two rounds, two separate rounds of radiation, and your Hilal salve is the only thing that totally worked for me. So I was so happy. So that, interesting, has continued to be one of our top sellers. The little rose petal elixir that we make, from I just gather, I used to go out to some of the islands and gather the red Rosa Rugosa petals. And and I started a rose garden at Avena and now it's it's probably what the rose garden, there's two different rose gardens and they produce now enough rose petals for me to gather all the roses that we need. What does the rose petal elixir do? So roses, um, whether you make it as a tea or you know for us the rose petal, is cooling to the body. So I use it, for, I'll help 
for when women feel agitated and irritated premenstrually, or women going through menopause are having some call them warm flushes or hot flushes, you know, it'll, it's a little bit cooling to the body, both physically cooling, so even a fever, but also that emotional heated upness that's, that anybody can get. That it can be very, very helpful there. I also use it for a lot of sadness and grief when people have had a loss in their life, whether it be someone's died in their family or friends or whatever the loss might be. Someone's lost their home or they've had to move, but there's a great loss there. Its roses are very, very, they're very comforting to the heart. So there's been sadness, but I also use it by somebody's getting married or somebody's fallen in love and they're, you know, I will give them the rose petal. It also has a great sense of creating joy and love in the heart. Where can we find your products on the shelves? Um, right here in Portland, Whole Foods has, carries quite a bit of Avena's line and also Lois's health food store, natural food store in Scarborough. And in Yarmouth, the Royal River Health Food Store has carried our products for a long time. Thank you, Deb. It's such a joy to see you and to talk with you. I can't wait to come to the open house and tour your new building. Lisa and I will come up this summer. Definitely come. And also to the, to the listeners who want to come, usually every other Wednesday, June, July, and August, I give a free herb walk in the garden. So visitors are welcome. And that's on your website? That's all on our website. All the classes, when the herb walks are open, and then you know all of our products are available online for, for people also. So tell us what your website is. It's avenabotanicals.com. Thank you so much for coming in and visiting yeah. with us, Deb. Thank you so much. If you're interested in reading more about Deb Soul, Avena Botanicals, or any of the products they offer, please visit us online at themainmag.com, where you can read a profile of Deb Soul or my article, Get Your Glow On, that appeared in the November-December 2011 issue. Pick up the latest issue of Maine Magazine at your local newsstand. The Bountiful blog that I attempt to write in daily and is available at bountiful-blog.com often represents my version of what I do to keep my body beautiful. And this is not beautiful in a superficial way per se. It really is a deep, integral beauty. Part of this is running. This week's Bountiful blog post is about running. This post is called Dark Run. It is from September 15th, 2011. Weather does not frighten me, nor does night. Nothing, in fact, deters me. When I need a run, a run I must have. My run is my meditation. It is my daily pause. It is my reconnection. Last night was my first evening run in many months. I caught the tail end of the sun as it bid farewell to the sky, before dipping down below the pines. Darkness emerged in its wake, a rosy glow followed by shadows, then blackness. Crickets sang me home. Typically, I am a morning runner, and in the summer I am spoiled by early light. As summer fades, the light grows dear. By late autumn, I am running in the pre-dawn pall. Last night, I found myself navigating less by vision than by familiarity with the well-worn paths of my hometown. My knowledge of landmarks and a radar-like sense got me home. Which has, in essence, been my life of late, navigated less by what is clearly seen ahead 
than by a familiarity with my own strength and ability. I have had to trust that I know where I am going and that I am highly capable of getting there despite finding myself largely in the dark. Some might call this faith. I suspect it is closer to fearlessness. When one has lost much, there is less left to fear losing. Less easily am I deterred by things once formidable. Certainly not weather, nor darkness. I know I will find my way home by the end of this dark run. Find more blog posts like this at bountiful-blog.com. This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Shepherd Financial, with offices in Yarmouth, Maine, the Shepherd Financial team is there to help you evolve with your money. For more information on Shepherd Financial's refreshing perspective on investing, please email tom at shepherdfinancialmaine.com for more information. And by Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. This week's Give Back segment features Anne Belden from Hardy Girls Healthy Women. And I'm excited to hear more about your organization. But first, I'd like to hear a little bit about you, Anne. And I've got Genevieve Morgan sitting next to me here in the studio. Hi, Anne. Welcome. Hi. Well, it's great to be here today. And we really appreciate you um, inviting Hardy Girls to, to take part in your, in your radio show. It's great to be here. And I always think of hardy girls like almost like hardy boys. Does yeah, anybody you know, ever that come comes up with up that? A lot. Uh-huh. A lot of people do say that. We get the hardy boy thing. We get the party girls. Is that what you're saying? So people get our name, you know, sometimes mixed up a little bit. But um, actually, the name comes from um, hardy girls. The part of that comes from a term in health psychology, hardiness. Mm, like resilience. So, resilience. And mm-hmm. so what that really refers to is how does one um, cope with uh, difficult situations um, when they're in a stressful situation? How do they work to, you know, really shore themselves up and, and meet that and overcome that or at least deal with it? And so that's where the that's where the Hardy Girls comes from. Okay. But we also um, most of our work is focused on girls, but it certainly ties into women's um, women's issues and development as well. What types of programs do you offer? Uh, well, we do a lot of a lot of different things, but we have different girls groups. We have a younger, uh, we work with girls second through twelfth grade, as well as um, adults and professionals. I'll talk about that next. But for girls, we have. Um, girls adventure groups for younger girls in grade school and that is really experiences and activities that expose kids to non-traditional activities professions that would might not ordinarily be girls be exposed to so i don't know maybe things like um oh sled dogging um piloting we had a woman who used to be on our board who was a pilot and so she did a whole girls adventure club around that um uh, mountaineering, so just you know, a lot of really active outdoors and oftentimes non non traditional activities for girls. So that's our our program for younger girls. Then we have girls coalition groups, which would be for our middle school age girls, and those are groups that are run by um, by young women, young adult women, typically in college. 
um, that really teach, it's sort of the core of our program, which is to teach girls how to support one another, how to speak out. Um, a, a really fundamental piece of our girls' coalition groups is helping them to become social activists. Um, that's a, a really a big, important part of everything that we do is based on helping girls to find their voice and to use it um, to l- really change the culture around them. And whether that's in just a little teeny way, speaking out in a small way when they see some sort of oh, small little aggression that's in their in their world in school that they want to say something about to taking action in their school, going to a school board meeting, getting girls working together to to change something you know, in a policy at their school, say. So that's the girls' coalition groups. Then for our high school girls, we have what we call um, GAB Girls, our girls' advisory board. And that's really a leadership program, um, helping girls to giving them an opportunity, a platform to speak out, to drive social change, and to really understand the power of working collectively and what that can do to affect change. And what is your website? It, well, it's Hardy Girls Healthy Women is hghw.org. Um, and do you have a Facebook page as well? We do have a Facebook page. And um, so there's a lot of different ways to, I mean, working with young girls, we have to really be connected in social media. Well, and you're collaborating collaborating with the Telling Room and Space Gallery really soon. I know that. What are some other events that you're one of the town? Yeah, one of the big things that we have um, coming, coming up is our Girls Rock Weekend. It's not until April, but I want to mention it because actually right now we're accepting nominations from around the state for our Girls Rock Awards. So we give out, um, I think it's five different awards to girls from all over the state, statewide. And we really want to encourage um, people from around the state to submit names of girls that have done just, you know, really outstanding, amazing things to try and change what the culture is like around them. Um, And so you can submit your nominations to that website, to hghw.org. We have a whole, I think, a whole link on there for Girls Rock Weekend. But our weekend, which is... I think in mid-April, not only do we have our Girls Rock Awards, but we have a poetry smash-up that I think is in Bangor. We have, we'll be having events. Um, the play That Takes Ovaries will be hosting here in Portland. Um, so the, I know play, the play is called That, that Takes, takes ovaries, ovaries as opposed right. to That Takes the male counterpart right. of yeah. ovaries. And so right. we also hosted that last year. It's a great um, play where girls get up and speak speak out about their own experiences that, that they've had. It's a really powerful play. Um, maybe, I don't know, it might be fun just to highlight one of the girls that, um, that won one of our awards last year, um, just to kind of give people an example if they're thinking about what might they nominate somebody for. We have several different categories, but Katie Massey was a senior last year at Waterville High School, and she won the award. She um, played on the boys' ice hockey team for four years in high school. And um, it was a real, she had to put up with, while her teammates were very supportive of her being part of the team, I guess she had to put up with a lot of um, name calling, jeers, sneers from from other teams, from parents of other teams. And um, she really persisted and she knew that that's what she wanted to do and contributed a, a great deal on from that you know, experience to her team. And I would imagine for everybody else, all all the other teams um, around her. So that would be an example of one of our Girls Rock Awards. So in addition to nominating girls for this um, award and going to this event and going to the Telling Room event, are are there other ways that people in the community can help you out? 
Yeah, we are always looking for people who um, might have something that they could contribute to the girls' adventure groups that they would like to share with our girls. We'd love to hear from you if you have an, if you could share an experience, an activity, expose our kids to something. We would love that. We have, of course, committees um, that are really vibrant and active. We have a a board. Um, we're always, you know, looking for people to get involved that way. Our office is in Waterville, though we are beginning to do programming in Portland and we actually work nationally but we're starting to do some Portland programming um, in a number of schools in the Portland area so if people are interested in getting involved in here in Portland um, in some way we'd love to you know talk with you about ways that you might be able to do that also. Very good well we appreciate your coming in and speaking with us Anne about Hardy Girls healthy women. And we hope that people who are listening today will go out there and bring this sort of hardiness and healthiness to the females in their lives. Well, thanks so much for having us. And again, we'd just love to hear from anybody who'd like to hear more about us. This week's show was about Body Beautiful. We began in a conversation with Dr. Ed Jacoma to explore the manifestation of beauty within the body itself, the body physical. Although, as we mentioned in Deep Dish with Genevieve Morgan, we do believe that the body is simply an interface between the physical and the spiritual world. We got more into this topic with Deb Soul of Avena Botanicals, who spoke to us about the importance of grounding one, grounding oneself in the external world, grounding oneself in nature and the beauty of nature. And we finished up with Anne Belden of Hardy Girls Healthy Women, who spoke of the beauty of knowing oneself as a female in this world, knowing oneself in a way that is perhaps different than the media might have us know ourselves. We believe that the beauty of the body is something that continues to be very important. We will keep talking about it on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, as it is extremely relevant to the notion of health and wellness, both personally and globally. Thank you for listening. We welcome your looking into the Dr. Lisa practice at doctorlisa.org. Read more about our Bountiful blog at bountiful-blog.org. Subscribe to our e-news, like us on Facebook, or send us an email. We really do want to know what you think about Body Beautiful and other shows that we've done over the course of the fall. We hope that we continue to beautify your life, and we thank you for letting us be a part of your world. This is Dr. Lisa Belial for the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast. I hope you have a bountiful life. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin with Remax Heritage, Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, Pierce Atwood, UNE, the University of New England, and Akari. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is recorded in downtown Portland at the offices of Maine Magazine on 75 Market Street. It is produced by Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belial. Original content produced by Chris Cast and Genevieve Morgan. Our assistant producer is Jane Pate. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain.
For more information on our hosts, production team, main magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, visit us at drlisa.org. Tune in every Sunday at 11 a.m. for the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour on WLOB Portland, Maine, 1310 a.m. or streaming wlobradio.com. Podcasts are available at drlisa.org.